Good morning, Aldersgate. Hello, Scouts. How's it going? <laughs> hello to the Scouts. Hello to you. Hello to those tuning in online. We see you. We're so glad you're here. Um, we're going to stand today and get uh, started with the river. I know a place where we can go to lay the troubles down eating our soul. I know a place where mercy flows. Take the stains, make you whiter than snow. Like the tide, it is rising up deep inside a current that moves and makes you come alive. Living water that brings the dead to life. So this is House of the Lord. We worship the God who was. We worship 
the God who is. We worship the God who always makes a way. He opened the prison doors. He parted the raging sea. My God, he holds the victory. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is joining in this place. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. Oh, oh, oh. We shout out your praise. Oh, oh, oh. We sing to the God who God who always makes a way. Cause he hung up on that cross, then he rose up from that grave. My God still rubs stones away. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is joy in this place. We shout out your praise. We were the beggars, now we're royalty. We were the prisoners, and now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by his grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. Let me hear it. Because we were the beggars. Now we're royalty, we were the prisoners, now we're running free, we are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by his grace, let the house of the Lord sing praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord, there's joy in the house of the Lord today, and we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is joining in this place. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is joining in We shout out your praise, oh, 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 we shout out your praise. There is joy in this house, there is joy in this house today, oh, 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 we shout out your praise, we shout out your Amen. Good morning, folks. We are glad that you're here. Yeah, sit down a minute, because I got a few announcements today, and then we'll practice getting up and sitting down and getting up and sitting down. Hey, happy Father's Day and happy Juneteenth. Um, this is uh, becoming quite a, a, a weekend, and we wish you the very, very best. We've got some um, uh, scouts from Troop 736 here today and they're all in uniform because they are going to travel to QSR 
it's going to be 70 degrees and balmy um, most of the week. So we wish you well. Um, so at the end of the service today, we're going to have a moment of prayer for them as they prepare to embark. And uh, early this morning, uh, there were members from Troop 1736 who uh, left from the church about 630 uh, to go to a camp in the southern part of Oklahoma. I've got to look it up on the map. So there's people going to camp all over the place. Listen to this. This last week at Camp Horizon, Jacob Schremer, Paisley James, Ethan Clark. Wow. And coming up this week, Anna Spickerman, Izzy Walker, Ethan Walker, Zach Walker, Jacob Kernidy, Keegan Dalton, Mason Smith, Gavin Phelps. Plus junior counselors, Hallie Spickerman, Samantha Kernidy, Aspen Walker, Isaac Alstrom. And then Pastor Daniel's going to be gone all week because he is the featured um, uh, speaker, pastor, teacher at the Mid-High uh, Camp at Horizon. So he'll be busy uh, this week. So um, it's, it's a time for camp. And then um, Shelly Rich is here. Shelly, where are you? 512 miles on the bike across Kansas from west to east. You did it! The average temperature on the bike across Kansas, as I observed it this week, was about 100, give or take a few degrees. Wow. So uh, you are amazing. What an accomplishment. All right. And um, let's see, next week, Rich Weir is doing an Ironman triathlon in Lubbock, Texas. I think they need to rename it the Hotter Than <coughs> Hades. Iron Man. So we will pray for him. This next Saturday, if you want to ride a bike, if, if you, uh, you know, some people come home from the bike across Kansas, they hang up their bikes till the next year. I hope you won't do that. If you want to ride with the pastor, 7 a.m. this coming Saturday in the parking lot, meet me there. We'll go ride around Sedgwick County Park. It'll be easy. It will be cool. And we'll end up at Brahms. If you don't want to ride a bike, just come to Brahms. Hey. So, okay. Um, if you're doing a grocery relief bag for New Covenant, those are due tomorrow. We're going to deliver them on Tuesday. And then we do want to make mention that uh, Donna Tharp, one of our longtime members here at Aldersgate, passed away. She was 90. Service in her uh, memory will be Tuesday at 10 o'clock at Rest Haven Mortuary. All right. Um, then next week, there'll be a, uh, the endowment committee uh, is uh, sponsoring with the Kansas Methodist Foundation and uh, the United Methodist Youth Bill, Ember Hope, um, a lunch and learn following the third service on the importance of making a plan for beyond our mortal lives. So there'll be a taco bar at noon and uh, lots of good conversation. All right, I hope that you'll take note of other announcements that are in your bulletin. The back is chock full of good stuff. But right now, let's see, are there any of you, any great-grandfathers in the room? Any great-grandfathers? Stand up. And yes, okay. Any, stay standing. Any grandfathers? Stand up. All right. How about fathers? Stand up. Congratulations, happy Father's Day to you.
Now, uh, the rest of you, if, if there's any here who have or have had a father at one time or another, please stand. Let's turn to our neighbor and greet one another in Christian love. If you don't know someone, ask their name and tell them yours. I invite you to find your seats, and as we prepare to receive this morning's uh, offering, I want to get uh, let you know about an opportunity that you have to support the mission trip that is coming up soon. As many of you know, um, our youth group is going to Austin, Texas, July 17th through 22nd. They're leaving right after vacation Bible school. And uh, one of the ways that we want to support those folks, we have uh, 40 people going on that uh, trip, which is a wonderfully large uh, group, uh, 31 kids and nine adults. And we want to make sure that they know that they are prayed for and cared for by us. And so one of the things that you'll see is there's a table in the uh, narthex with a bunch of names on it and what we are encouraging you to do is to go to that uh, table today and pick a name and uh, what we would love for you to do is to pray for that uh, person both in the lead up to the trip uh, but also while they are um, away what you can also do and what we'd uh, ask you to do is to write them a card and to uh, bring it back to pastor maria by july 10th and so each person who goes on the mission trip will have a card from somebody in the uh, congregation to um, uh, read on the trip, somebody that has prayed for them and is caring for them. And, and this will be one of the ways that we support those 40 people who are going down there to spread God's love. So I would encourage you on your way out today, grab a piece of uh, paper, grab a name. You will see there are not uh, 40 names out there. Uh, we know that y'all at the 9.30 service are so good, so we had to keep some of the names back for the 11 o'clock service. Uh, but there are some out there, so you can grab a name uh, and cover uh, one of these folks um, with prayer, love, and support. So I hope you will do that. At this time, I would invite the ushers to come forward and receive this morning's offering. Please sing uh, Reckless Love with me.
God won't do to reach you. Amen. Amen. And actually, I thank you so much for singing Reckless Love. I love the part about kicking the wall down, kicking the wall down, coming after me. The two scriptures that uh, I have chosen for today, uh, I chose because it's Father's Day. I've been a father for 39 years. I also wanted to wear an orange rose. So, for the first time in 39 years, I'm wearing an orange rose for Father's Day just because I wanted to. How about that? So, um, so you're stuck with what I want to talk about today. Uh, and, and I want to talk about ordinary stuff, which is very ordinary for God to kick down the wall, to light up the shadows, to climb any mountain coming after me. And this first scripture, Psalm 23, talks about that, especially at the end. Now, I will share the traditional reading of that, but when I come to uh, surely goodness and mercy, I don't know who Shirley is, but it's surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Follow, in the original Hebrew, means more like it comes after you, like the song Reckless Love. It will pursue you all the days of your life. And that's the kind of the notion uh, I want to get across to you uh, today. Uh, but uh, spoiler alert, we'll just wait until it unfolds. So if you want to say it with me, you can. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Jesus, when he taught in parables, told stories that talked about God's love coming after you. And the context we have for Luke chapter 15 is a context in which one day he was teaching the crowds and there were uh, tax collectors and sinners that had gathered around to listen to him. And there were also, of course, Pharisees and scribes who were there to check up on Jesus. And the text says that they were grumbling. They were saying, this man welcomes sinners and he even eats with them. And Jesus told them some parables. The first one is about the, 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 uh, the, the lost sheep, which we heard them sing about in Reckless Love. Uh, the second one is about the lost coin. And the third one is a parable about two sons. I invite you to stand as we share that parable. Now, I'll admit, this is one of my favorite scriptures in all of the Bible. But uh, I will share it from the uh, New Revised Standard Version, Gary Brooks paraphrase. There was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them came to his father and said, Father, give me my share of the property that will belong to me. 
And so the father divided up his property between his two sons. A few days later, the younger son gathered together all that he had, and he traveled to a distant country, and there he squandered his property in dissolute living. I don't know what dissolute is, so I had to look it up. It means loose, licentious, reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that region, and he began to be in need. And so he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. When he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare? And here I am dying of hunger. I will get up and I will go back to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Take me back as one of your hired servants. And so he got up and he went back to his father. But while he was still at a distance, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. And he ran to him, and he embraced him, and he kissed him. And the son started his speech saying, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and before you I am no longer worthy to be and the father interrupted him and called to his servants instead, Quick, bring a robe, bring the very best one and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and go and kill the fatted calf. Which means go to hog wild, don't be late, they'll close at eight. And empty them out and bring all the food for let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and he's been found. And so they began to celebrate. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. I was a little worried about the scouts having to stand on their feet too much this week, so I'll finish the gospel text because it continues. Just kidding. Now the elder son was out in the field And when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called to one of the servants and said, what is going on? And the servant replied, well, your brother has come back and your father has killed the fatted calf because he got him back safe and sound. And the elder son wasn't impressed. The text says he got angry or some texts interpret it as enraged, and he refused to go in. And so the father came out and pleaded with his son. And the son said, no, you listen to me. For all of these years, I have worked like a slave for you and never once have disobeyed your command. And yet, you've never given me even such as a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours comes back, who has devoured your property on prostitutes, you kill the fatted calf for him. 
And the father said, son, son, all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice. For this brother of yours was dead. And he's alive again. He was lost. But he's been found. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I love when I ride my bike early in the morning. I love to rehearse this. And sometimes people will pass me by and they'll hear me shouting some of those words. <laughs> and they think I'm really weird. But anybody who wears an orange rose on Father's Day, probably. Anyway. <clears throat> One of the other things that makes me weird is I do not like to make my bed. I don't know how many of you here have, suffer from that malady. I do not like to make my bed. The only reason in the world that I would ever consider making my bed is to keep the dust off of the pillow. Well, now, I, 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 I'll correct that a little bit. If I take a nap in the afternoon, I like my nap a certain way. I like the covers to be covered the bed and over the pillow, and then I lay on top of the covers to take my nap. And that's the only way I can take a nap. I don't know, maybe sounds strange, but... Do you make your bed when you get up in the morning? <laughs> Hank does, huh? You don't do it? Hank does. Okay. Who gets up first? You do. Okay. All right. All right. So last one up makes the bed. And there were some, I asked that question, and some said, yep, last one up makes the bed. And uh, if I was the last one up, I still wouldn't make the bed. There were others, couples, who said that they get up at the same time and they make the bed together. Who in their right mind gets up at the same time? <laughs> anyway, and there's even one response that said, I like to make my bed before I go to bed. And then when I turn down the covers, it feels just right. How good is that? All right. Just one of the ordinary things we do every day. We get up. We make our bed. We go into the bathroom, look in the mirror, and go, ah! And then we use the bathroom. Don't tell me you don't do that. And then we do some other ordinary things, like we might take a shower, we might get dressed, and then we go and have our coffee, or we could do those the other way around. We have our coffee, we might have our devotions. I saw a, a, a person the other day with a T-shirt that I really liked. It said, I need Jesus and coffee. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes I need a whole lot of coffee and a little bit of Jesus, and sometimes I need a whole lot of Jesus and a little bit of coffee, whatever works for you, but it's kind of one of the ordinary things we do, and for everyone, it's a little bit different, and that's okay, isn't it? That's okay. Well, today is one of the Sundays in the liturgical calendar of the church year that's called Ordinary Time. Now, when I was growing up, it was called Kingdom Tide. But it's kind of become known as Ordinary Time. And it's that time between the, the coming of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit on Pentecost, and the beginning of the season of Advent at the end of November, first part of December. And so it's Ordinary Time. The, the color is green, which speaks about living things, and that's a part of our ordinary lives. 
And uh, the, in the church year, ordinary time is a time when we consider how the, uh, the ordinary th- structures of life and the routines and the liturgy that we do each day make up our lives and give us a marvelous opportunity to grow in the grace and service of God. So ordinary time has some significant value. We're starting a series today of messages um, that are kind of based on ordinary time and uh, a little bit from the book by Tish Harrison Warren that's entitled The Liturgy of the Ordinary, Sacred Practices in Everyday Life. She even has a chapter on making the bed. (laughs) You ought to read it. You might learn a thing or two. Um, I didn't. But she talks about the ordinary and how the rituals of daily life can help inform us as disciples of Jesus Christ. And as I was looking at that, and I was thinking about today, Father's Day, wanted to use my favorite scriptures. How do I fit all that in? Well, ordinary time is a season in which we can decide how we want to live day after day after day. And it seems to me that this parable that Jesus told about the two sons and their loving father gives us a glimpse into who God is day after day after day. And we can learn from that as well. So I thought, well, okay, how can we take some of the the sacred things of the gospel, of who God is, and incorporated them into our day after day after day? And it seems like, from this parable, there are three things that we can give. The first one is honesty. Honesty. My mama always taught me honesty is the best policy. And she was willing to wash my mouth out with soap when I disobeyed. So I learned that early in life to always tell the truth. Now, in our day and age, that is a rare commodity, isn't it? Seems like there's a lot of lying going on. But then again, if you look at it, this side who's saying something we think is a lie, they think it's truth. This side over here who is telling the truth, it might actually be a lie. And so what do you believe? Somebody has defined truth as the solidified opinions of a group of people. They don't even have to be based in fact. The solidified opinions of a group of people, and some would add to that definition, that truth is the solidified opinions of a group of people who happens to be in power. And that's why we're celebrating Juneteenth. Because people in power resisted the Emancipation Proclamation for two and a half years, as I understand, until the United States Army went to Galveston and freed thousands of slaves who hadn't heard yet because the powerful conveniently didn't want them to be free. My mama taught me honesty is the best policy. Tell the truth that you know 
that you know to be true and decide which narrative you choose to follow. The younger son decided to be honest. He'd messed up. He'd squandered his father's property, and then he came back, and he had a confession to make. Now, if you're a father or a mother or any kind of parent, be careful what you say when your child comes home dirty and smelly, having squandered your hard-earned living. Be careful what you say to them, because you may regret it later. But what did the Father do? It's what God does day after day after day. He sees him while he was still far away. Before he even has a chance to confess, he's filled with compassion and he runs full speed and embraces him and kisses him and wants the very best for him and interrupts his truth-telling. They say the truth will set you free. And that day, in the eyes of that father, the truth was freedom. Always tell the truth. The second thing that we can do that God does day after day after day in the ordinary is to be kind. Now, I know some of you are probably getting tired of me using that scripture, Ephesians 4.32. I've used it many times. I've asked you to memorize it. And if you haven't, you ought to do it now this week. But it's a scripture where Paul says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. In our day and age, we don't have time for anything else but kindness. We can be kind to, to, to people everywhere and run a check on our reactivity and decide, I'm going to be kind to everyone. I'm not going to be a Karen or a, what's, what's, what do they call a Brandon? Is, well, anyway, those folks that you, you, you can watch YouTube videos about, sorry if somebody's here by the name of Karen, I love you. That's a misuse of your name. But we can be kind to the person who is in line ahead of us and taking forever, to the person who is uh, uh, enraged like that older son who came and w- was angry because they were throwing a party for his younger brother. And the father comes out and shows kindness and said, hey, hey, it's okay. How can we take kindness, which is a rare commodity these days, and make it part of our ordinary living? Now, kindness, we can be kind to anybody, but I think it leads to the third one that I get from this passage, and it's called compassion. Compassion. Be honest, always. Be kind and be compassionate. Compassion overrides any ideology or any wrong that has been done to us. And compassion 
is a gift that we give freely to those who do us wrong, to those whom we think are wrong, to those who live by a different narrative. If there's a little bit more of that in our world today, I think it would be a better place. Compassion. All of us who come here today bring stuff with us. Look around the room. There's some people you know and some people you don't. I venture a guess that each one of us in this room carries with us some pain, some struggles, some confusion, and some dark secrets. We don't need a lecture. Think what it would have been like if the father had run out to that son and said, I told you so, you should... Or run out to the other son and said, get off your high horse. Rather, compassion was the order of the day. It doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, how you've squandered my property, how you've lived a loose life. It doesn't matter how self-righteous you have been in condemning others. I love you just the same. What matters here? The younger son came home. That's what matters. He's home. Forget the wine, forget the women, forget the, 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 the riotous living. What matters for the older son? Now, the Pharisees and the scribes knew exactly who he was talking about when he talked about the elder son. He was talking about them. And they really were trying to do all the right things, say all the right prayers, do all the right rituals to be, be, to be pleasing to God. Only thing they became blinded to who that shut out. And Jesus, through this parable, said, It doesn't matter where you've been, I love you, and there's still room for compassion. There is a, a video clip that I want to show you as I close. A couple weeks ago, we were at annual conference in Omaha, Nebraska, and I'm really deeply indebted to our bishop, Bishop Reuben Sines. Um, he is a wonderful man of God. He gave an Episcopal address. He gave some sermons, too, but I'm going to show you a little clip from his Episcopal address that talks about the establishment of the Global Methodist Church on May the 1st and some of the divisions that it's brought and, and, and how he is pointing us in a direction of, of, of honesty, kindness, and compassion. And so uh, I, I would like to uh, uh, offer this to you as a way to update you on that, but also to, to bring uh, a close to this conversation about what God does day in and day out. Um, take a look. Take a look at the video. And our beloved United Methodist Church is also experiencing tumult with three postponed general conferences and the recent launch of the Global Methodist Church on May 1st, 2022. 
While I firmly believe that there is more than enough theological space and there is a tremendous need in the Great Plains Conference for traditionalists, centrists, and progressives, lamentably, 12 congregations have voted to separate from the conference and denomination at this annual conference, bringing the total number of disaffiliating churches from the Great Plains Conference to 20. To date, there are at least 20 more seeking separation, with another 28 still discerning whether to remain United Methodists. As your bishop, I personally and very much desire that no one would leave because we are stronger together. But for those that have intentionally and prayerfully done the work and remain convicted that their faith journey lies along another path, rest assured that this conference will do all that it can to help you do so, so that we can all get back to the mission of making disciples for Jesus Christ. Therefore, <laughs> considering several churches are still discerning disaffiliation, have scheduled a special call virtual annual conference for Saturday, September 10th, 2022, to adopt resolutions to disaffiliate and set our 2023 annual conference budget. We're not going to set it today. We're going to set it in 2023, and we'll deal with that when we come together. Disaffiliations will directly affect the entire ministry and witness of our Great Plains Conference. We're going to have to deal with the grief and the loss of our departing sisters and brothers and congregation, yet we'll be grace-filled towards them, um, and we will follow the general rules to do no harm, do all the good we can do, and continue to stay in love with God, attending to the means of grace. But make no mistake, we're not going to pause, and we're not going to lose focus on our mission as we grieve. With God's help, we must and we will continue to move forward as we reimagine discipleship for a new season and offer people hope, peace, and love that can only be found in a relationship with Jesus Christ in our communities and in our world just a quick glimpse of the daily news feeds tells us that we have no time to waste. Some of our clergy will discern that they must leave even when the church decides to remain part of the connection and vice versa. Regarding clergy that choose to remain United Methodist, if the congregation you are currently appointed to votes to disaffiliate, you will have a new appointment. Regarding churches whose pastor withdraws, you will have a United Methodist pastor moving forward. Your district superintendents will assist United Methodist members of churches that vote to disaffiliate to transfer your memberships to another sister church in the area. They'll help you transfer your local church membership uh, to this church, and there you will fulfill your membership vows to pray for the church, to be present virtually as you can in worship, to support the church with your financial gifts, to serve people in your community, and also to give witness to Jesus Christ where you are. If there's a large group of people in the community who are left without a United Methodist Church, we will provide training for you to become a class meeting and we'll appoint an elder in the area to meet with a class leader to make sure that uh, the needs are met, to guide the ministry, to help out with creative ideas, to uh, be in service in the community, and also uh, to continue to expand our presence there wherever we are until people find a new church to belong to. The clergy, the elder, will also provide ministry of, uh, and supervision for the sacraments of baptism and holy communion, funeral, wedding services, and critical hospital visitations. Elders, I'm speaking to you now. 
this is your role as supervisors of the, the uh, connection. And so your role will be expanding it as it already has. And this is not more work, this is now just our work and the work. Moving forward, we will, we will remain relentlessly focusing on reimagining discipleship making for a changing world. The world has changed in many ways. Without re with resourcing and support from the Congregational Excellence Team, local churches will develop discipleship pathways that will help people meet Jesus, that will help people know the message of Jesus, and will help people be sent out into the world in mission for Jesus. These disciples will love God and bring others to love God. They will proclaim new life in Christ, leading others to put their whole trust in him as Lord and serve him in the world. They will compassionately and joyfully serve others, especially the poor, and they will do no harm, love kindness, do mercy and justice, and walk humbly with God. You can see that whole address at greatplainsumc.org. Uh, it was a powerful message that he gave. Um, and it's about moving forward, uh, even when there is division in the ranks, moving forward. And, and I wore my T-shirt that I, I, I bought, do no harm, do good, stay in love with God. I think that's part of our ordinary life as we live from day to day. One more thing, one more thing. There are churches around us that are disaffiliating with the United Methodist Church. Does that mean that we stop loving them and working together? Not at all. I've been privileged to work with people I don't necessarily agree with in furthering the mission of the church. There's one church, uh, there, there's several churches, but there's one church, Asbury United Methodist Church, that has decided to disaffiliate and to go toward the global Methodist church. And so that will be something the annual conference will vote on on September the 10th. I gave Rick Just, the pastor, a call a few weeks ago. And I said, Rick, I know you just voted to disaffiliate, but I want you to know that we, in my mind, are still colleagues. We are still friends. And I want to keep it that way. And you know what he said? I do too. I had a chance to visit with him in the hallway at annual conference. And I said, Rick, I have an idea. I said, I know your church is going to be global Methodist. Ours is going to be United Methodist. I said, but you know what? Your congregation and our congregation, we both support some of the same mission projects, one of them being New Covenant Ministries in the Delano area. And I said, you know, I have a dream that maybe your church and our church could link arms and come up with a project or something that we can do together to help make a difference in Delano and to say that though we are two different denominations now, we're still one of heart and mind and spirit and kindness and compassion. And you know what he said? He said, I would like that. And we decided that when the dust settles, we're going to get together and we're going to talk about, with the help of our people, Gwen, I didn't tell you about this conversation. <laughs> She's our chair of missions. But 
you know, we'll, we'll find a way because I think it is the way of the parable that Jesus told of running not from others to silo ourselves, but to run toward for the sake of the gospel. That's what God does day in and day out. And that's what I want to do as well. Amen. Do you want to? Are you going to sing Goodness of God? You know what? I asked Justin if he would do me a favor. When we talk about running after uh, the goodness of God does that, I asked if he would sing that. Uh, Listen to some more of that reckless love of God's goodness. A lot of you probably know this song, so sing with me. Maybe a little better. I've known you as a father, I've known you as a friend, and I have lived in the goodness of God. All my life you've been so faithful. And all my life you have been the goodness of God, because your goodness is running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I surrender now, I give you everything, because your goodness is running after. It's running after me Cause your goodness is running after It's running after me And your goodness is running after It's running after me With my life laid down I surrender now I give you everything Cause your goodness is running after It's running after me 
always running after us. It is good to be together, and it is good to uh, come to that time in our service where we lift our prayers to the God who is so, so good to us. It is our custom here at the 930 service to lift up the prayers of the uh, people and so as I read these names for prayer today, I would encourage you to be in a posture of um, receiving as we hear these names, uh, these folks who have asked us to remember them in prayer. So today we do pray for the uh, family of Donna Tharp as they grieve her death. We also pray for Karen Kennedy, for Al, for Vivian Sackhoff, and Tony Parr. We pray for uh, Emmett Miller and Rhonda Rocket, Rick True, Lori Lowry, Connie Martin, Kenna Morrison, Matthew Marin, Aaron McMillan, Michelle Smith, and for Michael, Casey, Leanna, and Alicia. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. As we prepare our hearts to go to God together, what other names and prayers shall we lift up before the people today? Yes, today is Rob's birthday. Happy birthday, Rob. We are grateful for you. Debbie Mitchell, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers.
for Jeff and uh, Eddie. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And for the scouts as they head out to QSR today, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Friends, let us join our hearts together in prayer to God. Gracious and most merciful God, it is a good and a right thing always to come before you in prayer. For you, O oh God, hear us when we speak to you. So hear now our prayers as we lift our face and our hope to you once more, for you are the one who is good to us. On this day, we pray for fathers of all kinds, and we give you thanks for their presence in our lives. For all of those who have raised us and mentored us and shaped us into the people we are, we give you thanks. We also pray for those who raise children who are not their own, who have become fathers uh, in ways that are not bound by blood alone. We pray for those who wish to be fathers but cannot, and we pray for those who have hard and difficult relationships with their father, for we know that not every relationship is life-giving and safe. But God, we give you thanks today that you are a parent to us, that no matter our relationships with our fathers or our mothers, you, oh God, lead us and guide us as a faithful parent to those green pastures and those still waters that we might never be thirsty. On this day of Juneteenth, we also remember that the struggle and fight against racism is not over. It's not over in our city, our country, or our world. Forgive us, O oh God, for the ways that we have contributed, whether we know it or not, to systems of harm throughout our world. Forgive us, we pray, and give us the strength and the courage to go forward, building a community that is just and that is guided by the virtues of honesty, kindness, and compassion. Hear these names that we've lifted up to you before your people and receive those prayers that exist only in the deepest parts of our hearts. Be good to them as you are good to us and keep them always, always in your loving care. Thank you, O oh God, that your love runs after us. May we too run after people for the sake of healing, reconciliation, and relationship. All of these things we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, who taught us to pray with one heart and one voice, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. All right, if you are able, please stand for our closing song as it is in heaven.
Stretch out your hands toward the scouts and let's pray for them and pray for those who, uh, uh, and Troop 1736, who have already left and they're en route uh, to uh, Oklahoma. Gracious God, we thank you for the scouting ministries of our church and for the way uh, they create leaders and good citizenship and faithful guides for the future. Lord, we seek your blessing. Grant them safety as they travel and give them a stirring experience with you, O God, and leadership capacity that will teach us and guide the rest of us when they return. Now, friends, go from this place in the strength of the Lord Jesus Christ. Go bear witness to the truth of God's word until everyone is saved. Practice responsible citizenship until everyone is free. Paint the world beautiful with the brushstrokes of your faithful service and then go work like you don't need the money. Study like you don't need the grades. Dance like no one is watching. And love like you've never been hurt. And may the peace of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be your everlasting gift. Amen. Amen.